Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio News. Czech data have been leaked due to Microsoft storage error. Finance Minister says Czechia will have enough gas for the upcoming winter season. And exhibition at UNESCO's Paris headquarters commemorates Ligice child victims. Companies and institutions in Czechia are among the 65,000 entities in 111 countries whose data were leaked on the Internet thanks to a misconfigured Azure blob storage at Microsoft, the CTK News Agency reported. The leak reportedly concerns the Ministry of the Interior, the Ministry of Finance, the largest domestic health insurance company VZP, T-Mobile and the country's leading bank Česká Spotitelna. Česká Spotitelna and T-Mobile both said the leak did not relate to client data, while the Ministry of Finance tweeted that the leak of data was related to the ministry and the information contained was no longer valid. Czechia will have enough gas for the upcoming winter season and there is no danger of forced shutdown of some operations or plants. Czech Finance Minister Zbigniew Stanura told MPs on Wednesday during the presentation of the draft state budget for next year. According to Mr. Stanura, gas storage tanks are almost 95% full, containing more than 3.2 billion cubic metres of gas. Deputies are discussing the draft budget in its first reading today and are expected to approve its basic parameters, including the proposed deficit of 295 billion crowns. According to the minister, the current mild temperatures, which are reducing gas consumption throughout Europe, are an important factor working in the country's favour. Czech Foreign Minister Jan Lipavsky begins a two-day working visit to Qatar on Wednesday, during which he is due to open the first Czech embassy in the capital Doha. The minister will also meet his counterpart Mohammed bin Abdulrahman bin Yassim Altani to discuss, among other things, energy supplies from Russia. On Thursday, he is expected to hold talks with the Qatari ministers for energy and defence. Czechia finished 20th out of 140 countries listed in the Rule of Law Index compiled by the World Justice Project non-profit organization. The ranking led by the Scandinavian countries takes into account a series of criteria such as respect for fundamental rights, the level of justice and the presence of corruption. Czechia has improved two places compared to last year's ranking and came ahead of France, the United States, Spain, Italy or Slovakia. The country received its best rating in the categories assessing the state security and fundamental rights, where it ranked 18th in the world. The country's biggest problems are with corruption and the openness of government. An exhibition commemorating the 80th anniversary of the extermination of the village of Ligice by the Nazis is currently on view at UNESCO's Paris headquarters. Among the works on display are dozens of paintings by children from more than 60 countries. The drawings were selected from an international art competition to honour the children murdered in Ligice during the Second World War and other conflicts around the world. The exhibition was opened in Paris by Czech culture minister Martin Baxa, who drew a parallel between the brutality of the Nazi regime and Russia's aggression in Ukraine. The exhibition will run until the 28th of October.
Prague Castle will open the entire deer moat or Yelení příkop to the public during the upcoming weekend in connection with the celebrations of Czechoslovak Independence Day on the 28th of October. The natural ravine located below the castle has been undergoing reconstruction and should be permanently accessible to the public in the spring. In the 17th century, deer were let out in the moat and during the First Republic it housed bears that Czechoslovak legionnaires in Russia gave President T.G. Masa as a gift. The presidential office also announced on its website on Wednesday it was negotiating with the police to ease security checks on access to some parts of the castle. And finally, a quick look at the weather. Thursday will be sunny with occasional clouds and day temperatures ranging between 15 and 19 degrees Celsius. My name is Ruth Frankova and that's the end of the news. listening to Radio Prague International. I'm Danielle Azarová. Coming up in the program, we look at the conditions of a new windfall tax debate in the Le House, and an exhibition commemorating the Lidice tragedy is currently on show at UNESCO headquarters in Paris. Later on, we'll introduce another famous Czech label, this time brandy producer Jelinek. Stay with us. Czech MPs debated a windfall tax on profits in the energy and banking sectors in the lower house on Tuesday. The government plans to generate tens of billions from the tax from next year, not retroactively from 2022, as some voices in the coalition had demanded. Ian Willoughby reports. Earlier this month, the Czech government raised the idea of applying a windfall tax on profits in the energy and banking sectors. It aims to generate around 85 billion crowns next year alone by placing a 60% tax on what are called excess profits in the years 2023 to 2025. The move is aimed at cushioning Czech households and businesses from high energy prices, mainly sparked by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The windfall tax is intended to help cover protective moves, such as a cap on electricity prices. Last week, there were suggestions from some junior members in the five-party government that such a tax could be imposed retroactively for 2022. This unsettled traders and saw value wiped off the shares of energy giant Chez and some banks. There were also concerns it could lead to legal challenges. The coalition's pirate party had been demanding that the windfall tax also apply retroactively for the whole of this year. However, Jakub Michalek, who heads the Pirates' Deputies Group, told the lower house they had dropped that insistence after a meeting involving Finance Ministers Binyak Stanyura and PM Petr Fiala. In that discussion, there were very strong appeals from the Minister and the Prime Minister that we not start the tax in 2022. So we decided to concede and we will not insist on 2022 during this session of the Chamber of Deputies. Coalition leaders still need to discuss the details of the windfall tax which should be introduced at the beginning of January even though the package of legislation that it belongs to has now gone forward to a third reading after a vote on Tuesday. The new legislation will place a 60% tax on Czechia's six biggest banks alongside energy and petroleum companies. However, Jan Jakob, head of the deputies group of coalition party Top 09, has proposed that this be reduced to 40% after the first year. 
Alesh Yuchelka of opposition leaders Anno said the fact the government would only fine-tune the bill before its third reading smacked of amateurism. Meanwhile, his party colleague Alena Shilerova criticised the fact the proposal was an amendment to a draft already being discussed, not a separate piece of legislation. It should have been communicated in the classic way, for instance with an accelerated comments procedure. But such a huge change to taxation for so much money and of such fundamental nature should not be passed in such a strange way. Finance Minister Stanyura says that his officials estimate compensation for high energy costs will cost the state around 100 billion crowns. This year marks the 80th anniversary of the Ligita tragedy, the Czech village razed to the ground by the Nazis in 1942 as revenge for the assassination of Nazi Governor Reinhard Heydrich. 340 people were murdered, including 88 children. For the last 50 years, an international children's art competition has taken place to commemorate the child victims, and now a special exhibition comprised of some of the best entries from over the years has opened in Paris to mark the anniversary. Anna Fodor reports. Over 200 pictures painted by children from more than 60 countries around the world are now on display at the UNESCO headquarters in Paris. The artworks are all prize-winning entries from the last 20 years of the Ligitsa International Children's Arts Competition, which was established to honour the memory of the children murdered in the Czech village of Ligitsa during World War II. The competition celebrates its 50th anniversary this year. Curator Veronika Trubachova says the exhibition is divided into two parts, the first part presenting a selection of the best works from the last 20 years reproduced on banners, and the second part presenting last year's winners. Some of them are presented on textile banners and some are in the original form. This is last year's edition, the 49th year, which was on the theme of robots and artificial intelligence. Each year the competition has a different theme, chosen by the Legitze Memorial in cooperation with the Czech Commission for UNESCO. The topics can be as diverse as music, biodiversity and happiness. The theme of this year's competition was museums, eliciting drawings and paintings of mammoths, ships and archaeological excavations. On average, the competition receives around 20,000 entries from children in 70 to 80 countries annually. Curator Trubachova says that she hopes children from Ukraine will participate in next year's edition once again. There may be children from Ukraine in the Czech Republic or Germany, for example. We'll see. The deadline is February 10th and we'll be very happy if we receive some artworks by Ukrainian children. The exhibition commemorates not only the 50th anniversary of the competition, but also the 80th anniversary of the Ligitsa atrocity itself. French ambassador to UNESCO, Veronique Rogelacan, compares the Ligitsa tragedy to the events taking place in Ukraine today. Despite this, she says, the ambassadors of some countries still refuse to condemn Russia's act of aggression. Many of them abstain when we ask them to condemn the Russian aggression against Ukraine. At the extraordinary meeting held in March, 33 countries voted to condemn the Russian aggression, but many countries either abstained from voting or did not participate. Among these countries were, for example, China, South Africa and Brazil. 
Czech culture minister Marcin Baxa, who opened the exhibition, also sees parallels between the suppression of democratic principles in the 1930s, which led to the rise of the Nazis, World War II and atrocities such as Ligita, and Russia's war on Ukraine today. What's happening today is, in a sense, a very familiar story. The story of a country where normal democratic principles aren't functioning and which can then unleash such incredible aggression as the Putin regime has unleashed in Ukraine. This makes the exhibition especially relevant today, says Mr. Baxa, as well as sending an important message that the atrocity which took place 80 years ago has not been forgotten. The fact that the exhibition is here at the UNESCO headquarters is a message that we nowadays are not indifferent to the fate of the children of Lidice. It's not just a story from the past. reminder that you're listening to Radio Prague International, the external service of Czech Radio, where it's now time for another edition of Czech Made with Ian Willoughby. Czech Made Makers of Rudolf Jelinek Slibovitz say the company is continuing a tradition of alcohol production in the Wallachia region that stretches back over 400 years. The first written record of a distillery in the area of Visovitsa, where Rudolf Jelinek is based, dates from 1585. The climate of this part of the Zlin region in the far east of Czechia is especially suitable for the cultivation of plums, which sparked a boom in the construction of distilleries. Slean historian Marcel Sladkowski told Czech Radio that plums have been a major local crop for some time. Wallachia is an ideal region for growing plums. For instance, around the year 1900, there were around 77,000 fruit trees in the Vizovitsa area alone, and of that number, 68,000 were plum trees. The Rudolf Jelinek brand didn't start with Rudolf himself, though he helped make it one of Czechia's most recognizable alcoholic drinks. The story really begins with his father, Zygmunt Jelinek. Marcel Sladkowski explains a little of the family history. The Jelinek family don't come from Vizovice originally. They're from the Uherski Brod area. One branch were from Luhačovice. That was the family of Jakub Jelinek, who ran a brewery there. He had 11 children. His oldest son, Sigmund, moved from Luhačovice to Vizovice, where from 1882 he rented a distillery. Around a decade later, Sigmund Jelinek, having by then acquired plenty of experience in the field, set up a distillery of his own. It was created in 1891, but before that there was already a distillery in Vizovice, which Sigmund Jelinek rented. It was later operated by the Zinger family, after Jelinek went it alone and set up his own distillery. And after that even more distilleries were set up in Vizovice. In 1919, the brothers Rudolf and Vladimir Jelinek took over the business in Vizovice from their father, giving it the name Sons of Sigmund Jelinek. 
Interestingly, there are labels from that time with English language text, including Plum Brandy Old Straight. Slivovitsa is spelt in the Czech way. Two years later, they bought out a large distillery in an outlying part of Visovitsa and began production there. The new plant had been set up as Rolnitsky Aktiovy Zavod Ovnatsarsky Visovitsa, Agricultural Joint Stock Fruit Plant Visovitsa, or Razov for short. The Razov plant was promising due to its location outside the town, which allowed for expansion and proximity to a railway line. In 1926, the brothers, who were at odds over the future direction of the company, went their separate ways in business. Rudolf Jelinek remained at the Razov plant and gave his own name to the company. In the 1930s, he started making kosher spirits using raw materials and procedures in accordance with the rules of the Orthodox Jewish faith, drawing on the fact that his products were characterized by their high quality and were known not just in Czechoslovakia, but in some other states. Indeed, bottles from that period have been preserved at the Rudolf Jelinek Interactive Museum in Visovice. Pavel Koretz, one of the institution's curators, spoke to Czech Radio. In the museum, we have historical bottles from the year 1934, when for the first time Rudolf Jelinek succeeded in exporting bottles to the United States. It was a product created for the Jewish community and is known as kosher spirits. In 1934, Rudolf Jelinek got those into the States, and we have managed to save a few examples. We have them displayed in lovely oak cases. Jelinek spirits made their mark on the American market, where they became sought after by the Jewish community there. Indeed, by 1938, the Rudolf Jelinek brand had become the world's second largest importer of spirits to the US, according to Wikipedia. However, while Jelinek's company was on the up, the Nazis were in power in Germany and the horrific treatment of Jews eventually reached Bohemia and Moravia, with tragic consequences for the family. Historian Marcel Sladkowski outlines their fate. Like all Jews, the Jelinek suffered discrimination. Rudolf Jelinek was in the United States from March 1939. He tried to obtain permission for the family to move there, but that didn't work out. So in the autumn of 1939, he returned to the protectorate. German administrators took over the running of the company, and the Jelineks were later forced to sell it. In 1943, the Jelineks, like all the Jews in Wieselwitze, were sent to Terezin and then to death camps. Rudolf and his wife were sent to Auschwitz in autumn 1944, where they both died. After World War II, the company was in very bad shape. The Rudolf sons were determined to restore it to its former glory. They even succeeded in starting to export again. However, this time the communist takeover was around the corner and the Jelinek family ties to the company were severed forever. Rudolf Jelinek had two sons, Zdenek and Jiří. Unlike Rudolf and his wife, they survived the war. The older one, Zdenek, survived as a resistance fighter. Jiří survived Auschwitz. They returned to Wieselwitze and took over the family business. However, Zdenek was seriously ill. He had tuberculosis and died a year after the end of the war. Ownership gradually went to Jiří, who at that time was still a minor. He turned 18 in 1948. However, the firm was nationalized, and a year later, Jiří emigrated to Israel. Though Plum Brandy is its flagship product, the company has always produced other spirits as well. 
After the war, Rudolf Jelinek was making six products, Slivovitz, Borovichka, which is juniper brandy, Denis Mounier, cognac under French license, rum, cordial and kirsch. In 1953, due to a stagnation in brandy sales, the portfolio was narrowed down to Slivovitz, Borovichka, kirsch and apricot brandy, which entered production at that time. Throughout this period, the firm's communist operators maintained the internationally known brand name, historian Marcel Sladkowski says. The company kept operating and retained the beneficial brand name Rudolf Jelinek, though it was under state management. That's because for the state, the production of Slivovitz and Vizovitsa was advantageous. It was a good source of hard currency. So they kept the brand Rudolf Jelinek and continued production until 1989. After the Velvet Revolution, the firm went into private hands. While the company has been through many changes over the decades, its distinctive labels are little changed, says Pavel Koretz from the Rudolf Jelinek Museum in We say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We have tried to keep the label in the same shape as when it was designed by Rudolf Jelinek himself. We have had to slightly change it in terms of the material used and in terms of the graphic design and embossing, but we try to maintain the label in the spirit that it has always had. Today, the company Rudolf Jelinek produces plum brandy, pear brandy and other fruit spirits. In 2020, it launched a major new venture, the Slivovitz Museum, a stone's throw from Malostranska metro station in Prague. That edition of Checkmade focusing on brandy producer Jelinek has brought us to the end of today's programme from Prague. You'll find us at radio.cz. Should you like to contact us, then our email address is english at radio.cz. We'll be happy to hear from you. And remember, you can follow Radio Prague on Facebook and Twitter as well. This is Daniela Zerva saying thanks for listening and take care.